on the street. On the air. 25 minutes to 7 o'clock, you're listening to Kai Biz here on Kai 959. Well, just last week we saw incredible reports about RAND manipulation and uh, how this has influenced by at least 28 local and international banks, and a few of which, including the likes of Standard Chartered, had uh, paid an administrative penalty and uh, conceded that they had actively participated in currency manipulation between the years 2007 and 2013. Now, if you've been listening to the station, you'd be well aware that last week on Kai Biz with Nastasia Aronson, this was uncovered. Together with uh, the uh, breakfast show, we have 959 Breakfast, where Caesar and the team have also been speaking to various experts to take a look at the economic, the legal and political ramifications of such consequences. Today, we look to build up on this theme and most importantly, shine a light on governance, compliance, especially where such a significant number of businesses collaborated and corroborated in performing such malfeasance. To tell us more, we're joined by Andre Salia, Director and Currency Risk Strategist at Treasury One. Andre, such a pleasure to have you with us and uh, appreciate your time. You're always our go-to person when we talk all things to do with the RAND and other currencies. So welcome. Oh, Andre, I think your mic might be on mute, but uh, great to have you with us on uh, Kaya Biz as always. Okay, I'll tell you what, we'll just wait for a moment to make sure that we can have uh, Andre's uh, mic available. Andre, great to have you with us. Can you hear me now? Loud and clear. Ah, technology was having its way with us. So good to touch base with you again, sir. Thank you. And good evening to all the listeners. Fantastic. A very good evening to you too, uh, Andre. I guess, uh, you know, we've had some time to reflect on the various headlines, understand the various opinions that have been shared by those in business, corporate leaders, and even uh, um, in uh, the government spaces and regulators. But Andre, just give us your perspective firstly on the story. It does sound as though uh, it's significant, especially if we take a look at the far-reaching impact economically, socially, legally, and politically in terms of its influence and impact on South Africa. Yes, if one looks at the word currency manipulation and you were to expand on that, then I think one must immediately say when you speak about the word currency manipulation and how it was done, then they are not really looking or what's possible with currency manipulation is on a day-to-day basis Uh, where there's big ticket, what we would refer to as big ticket deals. Uh, In other words, a big deal going through because of a merger and acquisition or a very big export deal or a capital transaction of some nature. Uh, Then it would be possible for a few banks at that stage to, to manipulate the bids and offers going through the market at that specific point in time. And maybe you can elaborate Um, on that, Andre, because for a lot of uh, us as ordinary South Africans, we don't understand, you know, a bid and offer and the spread between that and how it actually translates into the RAND moving at a different level. Okay, so when you look at the RAND, there's, and and you look at how it's quoted, there's a price at which you can buy and there's a price at which you can sell. So the one would be bidding for dollars and the other one would be offering for dollars. The bidding would be from the person that needs to pay for imports and the offering would be from somebody that needs to sell dollars for exports, for argument's sake. 
In between is what we call the spread. So that's the bid offer spread. Now, when you manage a big ticket deal and there's collaboration between banks, mm. that would mean that they manipulate the bids and the offers going into the market at a specific point in time. That does not mean that you're now busy influencing the direction of the currency on a longer term. We must distinguish mm. between transaction flows that goes through on a daily basis and where the direction of the currency is heading in terms of economic fundamentals, political situations throughout the world, etc. We can, if we use an example currently, yes. so if you were to manipulate today uh, the bid office spread uh, between the bids and where the offers are, um, and you do succeed in managing that, but at three o'clock this afternoon, uh, something politically happens, uh, another war, uh, an oil crisis or something uh, that makes the oil price jump 20% and gold goes up 20%, then there's no ways that that manipulating of that bid office spread for the day would over or outweigh the actions of such a big event happening somewhere in the world. I see. I, uh, I think it I... would be a futile exercise to try and do that. There's no ways that you can manipulate the currency uh, where fundamentals like economic growth, uh, inflation rates, uh, job creation, uh, unemployment numbers yeah. uh, and all these things Pretty come meetings. into play. Mm. You cannot manipulate all of that. I understand where you're coming from and I think this helps us put things into perspective that the fundamentals still are, are in line but what this influences is, is the spread and I guess essentially the margin uh, uh, that these particular banks are able to profit against the, the currency when it's uh, set at a particular bid price or uh, selling price. On that note though, help us understand how that then translates into the kind of uh, values and I guess the revenues that were earned because there are articles that essentially say that uh, banks benefit tri benefited trillions, up to trillions of rands uh, in terms of these particular transactions and transactional manipulation. So how does that work? Is this based on a fee? Yeah. I've looked at one article where they say, and they refer to a trillion rand a day, and I really wonder whether they've actually gone and calculated how much a trillion rand really is. Oh, yes, there's big GDP, volumes right? going through the markets, but I don't even think that the, the, the volumes on a daily basis uh, always is a trillion rand. You know, so to say that a bank benefited by a trillion rand per day is absolutely ridiculous. That's just not possible. Uh, you, you would have to have a very big percentage move uh, on a daily basis for a bank to make that kind of money by manipulating a bid office spread. So, you know, I think some of the calculations that goes around after this discussions yeah. uh, and this whole investigation from the competi competition tribunal regarding currency manipulation um, is, is getting a little bit out of hand at the moment and not really justifiable. 
And I'm glad you mentioned this because then maybe we should be focusing on what we should be prioritizing. Uh, and, and typically would that not go back to governance and governance controls within corporate institutions uh, to make sure that there's a heightened level of transparency and compliance? Because to have more than 20 banks uh, involved in these kind of transactions certainly means that lots of people in the room agreed to, I guess, flout the rules or create their own rules for their own benefit. So once again, when we speak or when they say speak about 20 to 28 banks that colluded, those 20 or 28 banks didn't collude with each other on a daily basis every day. Some of them colluded with some on some days and some with others on other days. Uh, It's not a collusion between those banks that manipulated it every day and the whole day. Mm. It, it it revolves around big ticket deals going through the market. Uh, and when those big ticket, big, big ticket deals go through the market, uh, then some of the banks will collude with or could collude with each other uh, in manipulating the bid offer spread to achieve a better outcome for them in accumulating X amount of dollars to supply to a client for the transaction or alternatively get rid of an X amount of dollars uh, because of a big export transaction so that they obtain a better rate uh, and being able to make a better margin or bigger margin on that deal enhance a bigger profit on that. Glad that you clarified that, Andre, because then it gives us a practical understanding of the day-to-day experience. But does this also mean that it, at some time, and perhaps has been in the industry, common practice then in order for certain banks or clients to make sure that they maintain a particular margin? I doubt whether they could do it on a continuous basis. And, you know, that is possible for banks to trade big deals and try and push a currency in a certain direction. Now, if I go back a large number of years, mm-hmm. uh, at one stage there was very big transactions being done, for instance, in the British pound. Uh, and they drove up the British pound or weakened the British pound significantly against the dollar. At that stage, the central bank actually came in and increased their interest rates uh, so that if a bank were short of pounds, it would have costed them a lot of interest in terms of forward points to carry that position forward which made it so expensive for the banks to carry a position like that, that they had to go into the market and actually cut their positions mm-hmm. and the pound had then strengthened back to its original levels. So, and now you can get see where I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Even from a point where there is collusion, it's not just e- that easy. Central banks can also then come in and do certain and take certain actions to stop banks from speculating or doing such things uh, if they detect in the market that things like that are happening. I'm keen to understand. I'm just trying to pull up some references as to how the uh, South African Central Bank might have responded between that time. But uh, any key nuances uh, and I guess um, questions that continue to interrogate the strength and independence of our institution as the SARP? Okay, so central banks would not just 
automatically step in and very easily step in, in in terms of intervention of changing monetary policy or anything to do that mm-hmm. if it's regarded as a very short-term move uh, because that would have far-reaching implications in terms of uh, what happens in the rest of your economy. You can imagine what would happen if the central bank uh, in South Africa were to increase interest rates suddenly by 10% oh, right. uh, just to stop somebody speculating in a currency uh, because that would have far-reaching implications in terms of the consumer, yeah. uh, what they pay for their credit and so forth, because you can't isolate that to only being banks. So central banks is not just that easily going to step in. From a compliance point of view, from a surveillance point of view, uh, from the South African Reserve Bank, for instance, reports are being submitted on a daily basis as to what banks' positions are, uh, what turnovers in FX markets are, and it's very, very well controlled and surveilled by the South African Financial Surveillance Department. So there's, an, and they can't just step out of line or run positions. When you when you run a position as a bank, there's certain capital on your capital uh, of the bank that gets attracted to that. So you know there's certain limits that you have. Uh, compliance structures within your own bank, risk management structure. Uh, uh, management structures within your own bank as to what your positions are, what it can be overnight, etc. So uh, both from the bank side and from the central bank side, there's very, very good control as to what happens in the markets. And I'm glad you emphasize this, Andre, because then the question would be, well, how is it that people are able to avoid that or, or, or bypass it, uh, uh, especially given the transactions that you mentioned, the big ticket items where one would assume that there'd be closer and tighter scrutiny on the kind of trades that take place. See, this is why I sort of started and mentioned in between that it's it's manipulation of the bid offer spread yes. during the course of a day. It's not there. They don't do those things to try and take the currency uh, from, for argument's sake, the levels of 1820 where it trades currently to a level of 1950 or to 20 and keep it at that levels. It's not possible. Economic fun- fundamentals with of your own country, of the uh, of the economy, determines what happens to the currency either longer term, uh, whether it strengthens or weakens. Mm-hmm. It's it's on short term uh, movements that they can manipulate the bid of trade, not not the direction of the country uh, of the currency over a long period. Got you. Andre, I guess to close off with, there be many other South Africans with many questions in terms of accountability. And uh, we've had previous conversations where there's uh, great questions that have been raised around the fine that's been paid by Standard Chartered. If it's an admission to guilt uh, and if there are ways of actually adequately monitoring this process going forward. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts uh, in terms of uh, the corrective action and steps that need to be taken in order to show that there's a heightened level of accountability here? Well, I'm certain that, you know, from a central bank's point of view and from banks, compliance and risk management structures within themselves, they will, with this information that's out, certainly go back and look at what they can do uh, and whether they can strengthen that uh, and how they can hold hold staff and traders accountable uh, for things like that and observe what happens 
in chat rooms uh, and control the access to chat rooms, etc. Um, so I'm quite sure of it that this will not go away unfortunately unseen and that banks and central banks throughout the world will look at it and let's not forget we've had very much the same in the dollar interest rate market in the dollar libor market where uh, banks have previously been fined for mm. uh, colluding with each other in the fixing of for instance the libor rate and it also pays fines uh, on these things before so uh, i think from a compliance and risk management point of view, banks will always look at how they can strengthen the uh, regulations and adherence to regulations, uh, and will always look out for things like this happening to strengthen those things as we go ahead. Because we must never forget, as technology takes it, it takes over, mm. as they think takes over, and there's always that greed factor between people. Uh, let's not forget. Traders are driven by bonuses, etc. So, you know, the more money you can make, the bigger your bonus. Um, but so there will be control measures being put in place more and more all the time to stop these things from happening. I'm glad you've given us some perspective just to understand technically how the manipulation actually does happen. That it's not in a movement or perhaps pinning the rand at a particular level, but uh, uh, again, manipulation of particular bids uh, as well as um, um, offers that are made in terms of uh, participating in big ticket transactions that do take place. So I make a bet that I'm only going to sell this to you at a particular fee. You also set it at a particular fee. And I guess that's how the interaction and manipulation does take place to ensure that margins are taking place uh, or, or reached for independent uh, in, in, in uh, organizations as well. Andre, thank you so much for breaking it down simply. I'm hoping that we've hit the mark and we've simplified this as best as possible for us to actually understand technically how manipulation does happen. It's a pleasure and enjoy the rest of your show. Thank you. Always a pleasure speaking to you. That's Andre Salia, Director and Currency Risk Strategist at Treasury One, helping us unpack this complex but very critical story once again regarding currency manipulation. Uh, and again, we have received a statement from the Competition Commission. There's ongoing feedback that we also hear from many banking and um, uh, legal experts who have shared this process. And what's critical that I do believe we need to take away is the understanding of how this manipulation actually happens. It's not a matter of the rand dropping and us picking it up again and banks actually limiting it at a particular rate. As uh, Andre mentioned, this is based on primarily particular transactions that do take place and the, the individuals who are bidding and those who are selling and the spread between that, which essentially does determine the margins, is what you and I as individuals would decide uh, we want to maintain on those transactions. The concern, though, is that it happened multiple times on multiple transactions with multiple institutions at different times during 2017 to 2013 a full five-year period, which obviously means that at some point it became some level of standard practice within the individuals and the traders who were involved in the room. It still does not make it right because it does add to further frustrations and concerns, but very important for us to also underscore, um, I guess, some of the commentary that we've heard from Andre about how this doesn't necessarily influence the trajectory of the currency um, in terms of the fundamentals that still exist, like credit ratings, like economic growth, like international investor sentiment and outlook outcomes when it comes to the local economy. But as mentioned, this is certainly a conversation we're going to build up on.
not only here on Kaya Biz, but the station overall. Last week, Nastasia touched on it. This week, Sizwe uh, on Kaya 959 Breakfast has been unfolding the various layers to it, economic, legal, and of course, political. And it's one that we'll continue to interrogate by sharing various perspectives with you to fully comprehend the far-reaching consequences and the technicalities that might be involved here. So, do share your thoughts with us. Tweet us at Kaya on Air. Use the hashtag KayaBiz. Happy to take your voice notes to one zero six three six eight eight zero nine five nine. It's six minutes before seven o'clock. Kaya talk. Kaya talk. How much?